I'm Destin Harrison, and you're listening to the Gig Salad Green Room Interviews. Today, we're joined by the legendary Michael W. Smith, whose career has already earned him three Grammy Awards, 45 Dove Awards, an American Music Award, and over 15 million record sales, at least so far. With the release of a new studio album and a live worship album, I think it's safe to assume that number will climb even higher this year. Not to discredit Michael W. Smith's older material, though, Freedom has always been one of my favorite instrumental records. In fact, one woman claims that record actually saved her life. But I'll let Michael tell that story. So we are here with the wonderful and talented Mr. Michael W. Smith. Michael, how are you? Doing great. How are you? Doing very well. Thank you. So as we start off here, um, can you give us a little bit of a rundown of your career up until this point? Wow. Well, first record came out in 83. I actually started touring with Amy Grant in 82 and toured with her on the Age to Age Straight Ahead Tour. Started my own tours, went back with Amy on Lead Me On. Oh my gosh, it's, it's, uh, it's hard to keep it concise, but here I am 35 years later and sort of pinching myself every day. I wake up and just... Uh, I'm releasing my 31st and 32nd record back-to-back weeks. So crazy that these albums are out. Well, congratulations on the new release. It's already gotten amazing reviews. Such a cool album. You have a little bit of a different sound going on here. Can you tell us about what the inspiration was behind the new material and the new sound? Well, it's you know we've got two records coming out, which is kind of new news to a lot of people. You know, A Million Lights obviously is out, and then surrounded this worship album as well you know but the the pop record was just you know i've always followed my instincts it's just i write what i feel and i feel like you know there was so many things i wanted to say to address especially what's going on in our country and how divided we are and you know i've got all kinds of songs that 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 talk about that sort of thing but i decided to like you know i call them kids you know they're in their late twenties, uh, younger thirties, you know, who really have great pop sensibilities, and um, and just start working with these guys who were just killing it on the production side, and taking these melodies of mine, and and sort of let's let's um, let's go someplace that we've never been. I mean, I've, I'm always up for an adventure. How boring would it be just to keep doing the same old thing and having records sound the same? And so I've always been one to, that likes to push the envelope and. So we pushed it pretty hard, and so it's it's a it, it's pretty much a bona fide pop record, you know, when it terms when it comes to the sound. And um, I had a blast making it; it was a lot of fun. And um, and then surrounded, you know, that record was all done live. It's all in the round, recorded in a warehouse in my hometown of Franklin, Tennessee. And that's a whole different animal than the pop record, but I think just as special as the pop album. And you kind of touched on something that I wanted to address for our performers who listen. It seems like every record you put out, to some degree, you're stretching yourself a little bit further than you've gone before. You're trying out a new territory, a different sound, pushing the envelope just a little bit more every time, which is a lot of times fairly scary for performers because you never know if you change your sound just a little bit, how people are going to receive it. But you've been doing it for decades and killing it every single time. So I want to know, what's the secret to 
developing a new sound, pushing the envelope, doing something new, but keeping that consistency that people are drawn to that keeps your audience consistent, but still trying out new things with your own material? Well, I think, um, I mean, I honestly don't think about it that much um, because I think probably just my melodies, you know, what I do melodically, you know, I think is somewhat consistent from what I've done in the past, but I think you you try new things around those sort of melodic kind of stuff. You know what I'm saying? I think there's a there's a part of the record, like uh, probably the biggest compliment I get from people, honestly, is uh, this sounds like a Michael W. Smith record, but it sounds completely new, like something he's never done before. I mean, that's a compliment to me, um, that you push the envelope, and it's all production-wise, I think, that, that you feel like there's some things that you're doing differently. I mean, obviously, there's, you know, there's, there are type of styles of songs like conversation, you know, sort of kind of Justin Bieber kind of vibe, you know, um, but but it still sounds like me, and so I think I know that I can't completely do that on my own, and that's why I've surrounded myself by all these uh, young producers who kind of come in and and want to sort of take me to the next level, and they challenge me, going, "Hey, what if we tried this, and what if we tried that, and what if we tried that." It's all teamwork. It's all a big, you know, bunch of creative guys in the studio just getting creative. And that's that's what we did on this album. And I'm sure a lot of people have heard the adage before, success is 10% what you know and 90% who you know, which may or may not be true, but kind of begs the question, how do you surround yourself with the right people and the right people who can help further your career? Well, you know what? It's all, um, honestly, it's my gut. It's, it's what my spirit gut says inside. I mean, there's, there's, there's 200 people out there I could work with on this album and they're all extremely talented. Every one of them. Um, so at the end of the day, you just gotta go. I think things are, things happen for a reason. I think God sort of is the mastermind of, of just, how things go down and and why did you meet that person and your manager knows this guy and who knows that guy and then all of a sudden you meet this guy that was introduced to you the guy used to work for David Foster and he's in town and he's a fan and he wants to meet with you I mean all that kind of stuff and you sit there going well I'd like to meet him you know and then you meet him and you you sort of hit it off and you hear kind of some of the stuff that he's done in the past and you go hmm this guy could be a good fit and you'd go try something, and the first thing we tried was conversation, and he knocked it out of the park, you know. So, and before you know it, I've done eight songs with him, you know. So it's just that kind of thing of trusting your gut that you're going to pull the trigger and work with the right people. Gig salad. Gig salad. Gig salad. You're listening to the Gig Salad Green Room interviews. I like this salad. At Gig Salad, we're always helping people create unforgettable moments. But this one may be my new favorite. Chet from Denver recently hired two actors to reenact his entire relationship with his girlfriend, from the moment that they met to their first date, through the best and worst of times together, all leading up to the moment when he proposed to her right after the performance. For more information about how we can help you book something awesome, just visit gigsalad.com. So I want to know what are the what are the key threads between all of the songs that you've written? The secrets to writing that hit song that sticks in your head. You know, I've obviously have written my share of not so great songs. Believe me, and 
you know, it's always a learning curve, and hopefully you're getting better as you continue to do this. But I just think it's the melodies, you know? If you can get a, if you can if you can write a melody that people cannot get out of their heads, then I think you've succeeded. And then if you can marry that melody with a great lyric, then that's even better. So would you be able to walk us through the process of that a little bit? Um, I know you've written some instrumental records in addition to your normal stuff. Um, so do you start out with the melody every time and then add lyrics to it? Almost every time. It's just, I mean, I've... I've written melodies to lyrics before. I mean, I've you know, I've probably had three or four of those that have, that I really love, but it's 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 difficult for some reason because um, I feel like I've got parameters around me and I'm kind of stuck in this little corner and I'm going, oh my gosh, how am I going to pull this off? Versus you come in and the, like the template's completely, it's just completely empty, and all of a sudden you just put your fingers to the keyboard. And all of a sudden, something sort of falls out of the sky, and you catch it, and you go, wow, love that, you know, kind of like Million Lights, you know, that fell out of the sky. I mean, I was just fooling around, just messing around on my computer, and one day, just all by myself, and I wrote that chorus, and I I, I remember thinking at that time, going, you know what, that sounds different than anything that I've heard before, and it sounds... I think it sounds like a hit. I don't know if it is, but it sure is. It felt contagious to me because I couldn't get the melody out of my head. I sure love when that happens, and I sure wish it would happen more often. Writing a great song is not is not easy, but but I certainly love when they sort of fall out of the sky and it sort of like it just happens so fast. And Million Lights is one of those songs. So then, after you get the melody down, what's the next step? Are you matching syllables to the rhythm? Are you matching vowel sounds to what you've written and how you think that's going to sound? What do you do to get the lyrics involved? Well, I usually sing in tongues, believe it or not. <laughs> Meaning, I sort of, I just, I, I ramble. You know, I just, I, I just, I find something to sing instead of saying da 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 la 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 la. Just sing something, and almost every time that I do that. Something comes out of that gibberish, you know. You know, when I wrote Rocket Town on the big picture record, you know, back in, you know, 86, you know, I gibbered, but the only word that really was, that came out that I love was Rocket Town. It ended up being the name of the song, you know, so that's happened a bunch. But then I usually have a, ti- I usually have a title or I usually have an idea, and then I just go to the poets uh, because I've never felt like lyrics has been my strong suit to really. Com- totally complete something lyrically. So I go to these guys who just are just so great at crafting a lyric and give them the idea, play them the inspiration, even playing my gibberish stuff that I sort of, you know, record on my demo. And we're off to the races, and it it works every time. So one thing that I've kind of been wondering about your career so far is obviously you've done a lot of Christian music and a lot of music that appeals to both Christian and secular audiences. First of all, do you identify as a Christian performer or just an artist who plays Christian music as well? I would I would rather the latter be the case. Um, um, I, I struggle with the label a little bit, honestly. I mean, I'm grateful this industry has been so good to me and... Um, but I probably have a different take on what Christian music is, if you want to put a label on it, than probably maybe what a lot of people do. And, you know, because I even think my instrumental stuff is very, very spiritual. Um, 
but why do we have to put a label on it, you know? And I think it's interesting that Christian music is like, of any genre, of any genre that we have in the world, Christian music is dictated by by the lyric. And sometimes I think that's a bit odd, you know? I mean, I've written so many love songs for my wife. I think all those songs are spiritual because I, I sort of look at the world from a spiritual point of view. So I would have a different, probably, interpretation of what, Christian music is probably than others. But I say that with much gratitude in my heart, believe me when I say that. So let's put all the labels aside. Um, Can you tell me a little bit about your faith, your music, and how they coincide? Well, my faith is the most important thing in my life. Um, I've, I've radically been changed by the heart of God, and, and, and more importantly, just knowing who the real Jesus is. And I think probably one of my goals in life, if not my main goal on some level, is that to try to to let the world know who God really is, because I think there's millions of people out there that have a completely misconception of who God is. And I think, you know, I could go on and on and on, but I think God is for you. And... I think he always has, and 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 he loves you, period. You know, and so, and then we got a lot of people who struggle with that, and especially people who've been abused or hurt or whatever, you know, and or been burned by the church growing up. You know, I mean, gosh, you could write a book about it. But I think one of my greatest challenge—well, it's really not a challenge—but one of my greatest calls in life is to, again, just really let people know who who God really is, and then. That and so then I've got this gift. I mean, we all have a sweet spot, and music is my sweet spot. So I get to sing about that, and I get to write about it, and and I think that's a beautiful thing. And you know, I think for the majority of people who are my fans, um, you know, I, who knows how many thousands. I mean, I, I, I get letters all the time. People tell me backstage, you know, it's just. You know, they'll just mention a song. Going, they'll just look at me and going, "You saved my life," which just is sort of still is mind-boggling to hear. You know, somebody saying, "I was driving down the freeway in 1990 and I heard Place in This World and I pulled off on the side of the road and I lost it, and I've never been the same since." That's the kind of stuff that makes you keep going on, and that one story is worth my whole career. What do you think is the craziest thing that you've heard from one of your fans about an experience they had with their music? I don't know if you would call it crazy, but uh, I would call it crazy good. I don't know why this one thing pops in my head, but um, I know of a lady who was dying of cancer and had stage four cancer. It was in the hospital, and she played Freedom, which was my first instrumental record that came out in 2000. And she just... Constantly played it over and over and over, and uh, and then she started feeling better, and they sent her home, and they came back and did tests, and the cancer completely disappeared, like completely disappeared. And she credits my Freedom record, which doesn't have one word on the album. Those melodies, um, those melodies healed her. I mean, she she tells me the story. I mean. What do I say? I, 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 I believe her, you know? It's, it, but I would say that's the craziest thing when you get a story like that. 
and the power of music and the power of a melody that can heal somebody. I totally believe that. Now, why Freedom was that record for her, I will have, I have no idea, and one day I'll find out. That's incredible. As we wrap up here, what's one piece of advice that you would give to somebody who's trying to break into the entertainment industry? Uh... Well, it all depends on what they want to do. They're going to be a singer. They're going to be a songwriter. Um, you know, if it's if it's in that camp, um, you know, do your homework. Find out who makes the decisions. I'd say probably pray more than anything. You know, God, if this is what you want me to do, then open up the door. Um, lead me to the right people and all that. But to me, at the end of the day, it still comes down to the song. You can be an okay singer, which honestly, Dustin, I, I consider myself an okay singer. I'm not a great singer. You know, I'm not a Donnie McClurkin or, or some of these people who are just amazing. Um, but if you've got a great song, um, you can have a career in this industry. And if you can find two or three great songs, you can have a, a very long career. So... I've always believed that, it, you know, if you could write a song or find a song that resonates and people go, oh, my gosh, that's amazing, then that's the biggest part of the battle right there. And how can our listeners keep up with you and your career? MichaelWSmith.com. That's probably the best place to get all the info and, you know, all the social media stuff, I think that's probably the but 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 MichaelWSith.com definitely gives you the updates. And obviously there's a lot going on, you know, with the records out and all that sort of thing and the tour coming up and so that's the best way. Very cool. Well Michael W. Smith, thanks so much for joining us. You got it, Dustin. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Gig Salad Green Room interviews. For more interviews like this one, be sure and subscribe. And if you think of someone who you'd really like to hear us interview, let us know in the comments section. And as always, be sure to visit gigsalad.com to find out how we can help you book something awesome. For everyone here in the Gig Salad Green Room, I'm Destin Harrison. Thanks for listening.